0: Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to Mr. Timothy Ramson on this Remember God Loves You, and I'll meet you at the Finish Line podcast. How are you doing, Mr. Representative?
1: Good morning. I'm doing um, well, as well as can be expected.
0: (laughs) Hey, it's an honor to um, have you on my podcast. We have a lot to talk about. Number one, I have to, congratulations on running a good race, uh, for the governor. uh, to me, I personally think, uh, the election was rigged a little bit skewy. Uh, that's why I think, what is your thoughts? Well, um, gosh, I'm
1: not surprised to hear you say that. I, no. uh, what do- I, I- well, I, I, that's actually why I said what I said when you asked me how I'm doing as well as can be expected. I think when when you experience firsthand the injustice of a process that clearly is questionable in its mechanics from ballots to chain of custody, to machines, to uh, voter lists and, and the illegal use of... Um, moving drop boxes and, and ballot harvesting in certain counties in the state. And and also I would add, as I spin with thought, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm i taken aback by, by the very, very low number of total votes that were recorded for me in this process because that in and of itself doesn't make sense. Now, I don't think I'm all that in a bag of chips and I'm not saying that I won. <clears throat> Other people are. But but the, the thing that stands out to me, and I'll use Karen Mueller in the Attorney General race as an example to start my process, we we did a lot of campaigning together because she asked me to go with her. I would have gone with Eric Tony or Adam Jarko as well, but they didn't ask me, just Karen did. And I said, why not? We can compound our trips, we can maximize time, we can kill two birds with one stone or three or four, depending on how many candidates were there. It was it was a courtesy to the people yeah, to consolidate effort to to attend an event. So if, if one candidate showed up and 50 people were there, that's like, gee, that's pretty good. We'd sure like to have more than one candidate. Well, if two or three or four candidates showed up and there were 250 people there, that ROI for them is is you know felt directly. So I I wanted to contribute to that. I wanted to be there for the people and to maximize their time and to see more than one person. So I obviously said, yes, well, everywhere we went pretty much together, Karen was very vocal about it. She said, if, if you're not going to vote for Tim Rampton, then don't vote for me. Yeah. Because I, I, as attorney, if I win and he doesn't win governor, I won't be able to get the things done. I need to get done. I need a governor that's going to support the same, you know, like-minded thinking and, and the injustices and having the concerns about issues that that Rampton does with me kind of thing. So, she's out there propagating that message very strongly. She was recorded at 152,000 votes. Now, yeah. it, 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 in a way it's speculation, but in a way it's not. How do you explain she got 152,000 and I was only recorded at roughly 42? That 110,000 does not work for me. It just doesn't work for me. And then when you look at the the uh, Lieutenant Governor race, and you've got like-minded candidates like Kyle Yudes and Jonathan Wickman and Cindy Warner and, and even David King, they collected 250,000, 260,000 votes between the four of them. Yeah, Those same people that voted for those individuals, Karen Mueller and the other four LTs, for example, um, and even even Jay Schrader for, and, and Justin Schmidtke for, for the Secretary of State, those were the people that, that had like-minded, you know, Patriot candidates in mind. And they should have also contributed to my numbers as well, because I wasn't Rebecca Clayfish. I wasn't Tim Michaels. They were establishment. They are establishment. I'm not right. So that whole thing just doesn't make sense to me, sir. And I, that's my scenic answer to your question. Now it it needs to be looked into and there are people investigating it as we speak and there's uh, preliminary feedback is not good in regards to the process being right yeah. or, or fair. So I know an, an, object, an objection came out yesterday in Racine County, specifically for the 63rd race. I think that's the tip of the spear for the state. I think nefarious and illegal things happened there. And that was all done in favor of the current uh, speaker who was probably losing that race and things happened to change the outcome. Yeah. And I think it I think it should be challenged and it and it will. And I, I would like to see uh, something tangible come of that. For example, I'd I'd like to see the Wisconsin Election Commission not certify this election until they can prove what happened on the 9th of August was legit. Yeah. And that's my race. That's my race as well.
0: I know that, but like I looked at I talked to Stein or Stein. I talked to him and he's gonna be on my podcast, I think on Friday morning. And we're Good. gonna we're going to brush up on this. And, <clears throat> you know, it's it's very interesting because I, I kept a very close eye on it. And my question I have for you, okay, how could Karen Mueller get the the most signatures out of, like, the Attorney Generals? She got the most signatures combined with Adam General. But she didn't. I have a question on. And it seemed like every, every person I talked to, as a public influencer and as a podcaster, I get all different kinds of requests, I get people coming up. All is on their mind is Karen Mueller because of election integrity. That is the thing that they are that's the that's why they supported her because of election integrity. So how is it that she lost to Eric Tony? See, I don't get that. I have a hard time understanding. But no. to but to my listeners, I want to well, as you can tell, we are action-packed uh, during this thirty minutes. Um, so, I want to kind of step back and allow Timothy Rampton to say into politics, like what made Representative Timothy run for office—the very beginning part.
1: Well, let, let me touch on your your statement, and then I'll answer your question. Okay. You talk a little bit about Karen Mueller. Your your confusion or your your the the mystery about that point is, is kind of the point, the logic doesn't tie to the results of, of the selection process on August 9th. It wasn't an election in my humble opinion. It was a selection. The people who touted an importance around election integrity, which was at one point in time, 84% of the state believed it was the number one issue. and, And I believe a majority of the people in the state still think it is the number one issue, because it propagates into other areas of concern, like medical freedom and and education, not indoctrination and government accountability. Um, Right person, right role, right time is everything. And we don't have an elections process. We have a selection process. So uh, I don't dislike anyone who ran for public office, by the way, all five constitutional positions had good candidates running, but there is a difference between some of them. um, and, And one of the standouts for me is who's aligned with the establishment and who's not, who yeah. are the Patriots and, and who are the, the Golongs. And, and I'm going to be real blunt here. I mean, I, I'm not establishment and they know it. They don't want establishment people, excuse me. They don't want Patriots in the positions because they want to be able to control them and they want establishment people in the position. And when you look at all five constitutional offices, they're all uh, declared, um, victorious for establishment candidates. Michaels and and, and Clayfish are our establishment. So is uh, Mr. Senator Roger Roth. I like Roger. He's a good person. But I I heard a comment early in the process uh, where Robin Voss said, I'm willing to spend up to $5 million to make sure Roger Roth is the next lieutenant governor. Now, how is it that the Speaker of the Assembly has anything to do with any election, even his own and, and how is it that he can say he's going to spend money on a, on a constitutional office race? And where's the money coming from? I mean, there's a lot of concerns about that. so And the same thing applies to Karen. Karen did outstandingly well, and she's a constitutionalist, and she's pro-election integrity, and the other two weren't, and admitted it during interviews and, and uh, podcasts, and yet they were selected. So I I think the concern you have is is real, and I think it it needs to be further analyzed. Now, back to your question to me. Let's switch gears back to that point. Um, I ran for public office because, as long as I can remember, people have had concerns about governance. You don't get high approval ratings once you become involved in government because things don't get done right. And I, I come from a private sector background of 45 years of multiple organizations, multiple industries, multiple cultures, where I did just that. I got things done. I raised the bars of efficiency and execution, <clears throat> service delivery, and customer set everywhere I went because I was dutifully obligated to serve and deliver to meet and exceed. That was my job. That was Mm -hmm. my job. And and I thought, well, I'm gonna run for public office once. And I started at the school board level. And I I got into that. And of course, I was like, contrary to everybody else, everybody else is like, just say yes, just say yes, go along, get along, play nice in the sandbox, do what you're told. And I'm like, Really? Go pound sand. I don't do that. Mm -hmm. I don't follow, I don't kiss butt, I don't drink Kool-Aid, I don't serve. Anybody but the individuals who put me in the seat of responsibility to represent them. I am of, by, and for the people 24-7, 365. So at, even at the school board level, local stuff, where you've got seven people and, and you've got this, this push for control and manipulation and script and go along, get along and pay to play and whatever it takes to, you know, meet the the agenda of, an, in this case, an administrator or perhaps even a board president. And I don't, I don't, I didn't do that. So did I cause uh, a little bit of a ripple when I got into government at the school board level? Absolutely. And long story short, we've evolved the process to be uh, probably one of the most efficient school boards in the state, in my opinion, not because I'm a member of it, but because we cross T's dot I's and we do things as a body and nobody tells anybody what to think and feel and how to vote. So I took that passion to the state level and Sadly, I found out very similar that the antics that occur at the state level, and I'm sure at the federal level and all other levels of governance, you get into these roles and you're expected to do a certain thing or be a certain person or, or do a certain way. And I, I was not willing to accept that. So I told them right off the bat, I am up by and for the people. I don't serve Madison. Madison serves me and I'll work with Madison, but I don't work for Madison, and I've stood apart from others in that group. In fact, the majority, a vast majority of the members of the legislature go along, get along, pay to play and, and do what they're told and keep their heads down. And in doing so, they do not serve the people. They serve themselves and mm-hmm. a few members of the body, perhaps uh, for a per- perfect example, the Speaker. He uses these people for his bidding, his, yep. uh, his agenda, and they allow him to get away with it. So I got two problems I've been working on here in the state and I'll continue after January 3rd of 2023 because until 12-59-59, I am a member of the state legislature, I'm a representative and I will be until that time on that day. I'm going to make sure that we continue to push the envelope of um, responsibility upon the members to remind them what their dutiful obligation is. And that is to serve the people that put them in the seat, not Madison. Not people down in the body. Certain individuals like the speaker, they need to start serving the people that put them in the seat. Otherwise, they need to go. Now we've had some individuals this current election that didn't get primary, probably should have. We've got some people that have gotten through their primaries and now maybe they don't have a general. Maybe they do, but they should win because they have Republican districts. They may be reelected by default. By by no, you know, hold your nose and and vote for the guy even though you don't want to. But, you know, the alternative is worse, right? Yeah. It's unfortunate, by the way, but that's how most people look at many of these seats. The person they got to pick and the only person they get to pick from is the lesser of two evils. And that is really sad. That is really sad. I've never been a lesser of two evils. I've been a leader. I've been out there blazing trails and asking questions and raising the bar and going against the grain because that's what the job requires. And the sad thing for the people now is I won't be there to do that anymore after January 3rd of 2023. And because I didn't make it across the finish line for the primary for governor, I won't be eligible to perhaps be um, governor. And I'll digress for a moment to your listeners and tell you that um, maybe, maybe I will be. And what I mean by that is I ran for governor in the primary and I didn't get first place because it was selected not elected right i am eligible for having my name written in on the november ballot and it will count and i did that for two reasons people wanted me to be a write-in why because i want to vote for you and i'm going to write your name in no matter what Mm -hmm. and i thought well okay um hmm. well it won't count that's okay i don't care and i said you're going to be a scatter vote well okay if i have to be a scatter vote i'm not going to vote for the other people, because you're the one that, okay, okay, here's what I'll do then. I'll make myself eligible to receive write-in votes so that if you do write my name in, it'll count. Mm -hmm. And I want to make something very clear at this moment. My action doesn't do anything to the party for or against. It's totally for the people who wanted me to have their vote count because they're going to vote for me no matter what. So if I wouldn't make myself eligible, they're still going to write my name in. That means they're not going to vote for the Republican nominee. They're not. Okay. So the damage is already done. They're, they're doing what they want. All I'm doing is enabling their vote to count. So it's not like I'm swinging votes away from the party. Oh, Tim, you're going to cause Tony Evers to win because you've told your people to vote for, no, they're going to write my name in no matter what. I just wanted to, to their, to their request, to honor them, to make it count. But here's the other thing I'll tell you publicly. I'm, I'm, 50-50 right now on on whether Mr. Michaels will still be on the ballot on uh, November 8th. And I say that because, in my opinion, 100,000 more votes occurred for the governor's position on the ballot. 100,000 more votes for governor than for any other constitutional office, including Senator Ron Johnson. Senator Ron Johnson garnered 567,000 votes, which if you would think about a Republican going to a ballot box, are they going to vote? Uh, For for United States Senator Ron Johnson, most likely, are they going to vote for one of the Republican candidates for governor? Most likely. Well, then how come there's 130,000 more votes for governor than there was for Ron Johnson? I believe the answer is because Democrats crossed over and voted for the governor because they wanted the weakest candidate to get into the position. And some people will say, well, Rampton, you're the weakest candidate. You haven't been running for governor for four years like Clayfish, and you don't have millions of dollars in your coffers from your company like Michael's. The answer is, I, I believe the conflicts of interest cause an individual to be the weakest candidate, and that would either be Rebecca Clayfish or, or Tim Michael's. So I believe that the Democrats, 100,000 100, or so, maybe 110, 120,000, crossed over and voted for Republicans that they wanted to, to have win, in this case, the governor, because they want the weakest candidate to go against their Democrat uh, governor, Tony Evers. So, uh, go
0: ahead. Uh, so uh, leading up question, uh, because we see the same thing happen in Georgia, where they think that Brian Kemp was the weakest candidate, mm-hmm. that you had a huge thousands of Democrats that jumped over on the Republican and voted Republican ticket to yep. make sure that, Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. For David produced, <clears throat> and that's how he it. lost so significantly. But At the same time, like what you said with Herschel Walker, um, so is that what? And is that what you see? Is that? Do you think that Tim Michaels is the weakest candidate, or what do you think?
1: Well, one of the things that concerns me about Tim Michaels, and I, I, you gotta know, I like the guy. It's not that I don't like him. I, I like every. Like I said earlier, I, I have respect and admiration for anybody who throws their hat into a ring. To run for any governance office, so it's not about uh, personal opinions about. It's more about process for me, yeah. And, and the process the process around candidates should include quality. What's the What's the quality factors? What are their What are their uh, capabilities? What's their character and characteristics like? What's their depth of experience? That's another reason why I threw into the race because, based on uh, on paper, if you line up where people have been and what they've done over the course of forty five years. I I exceed Mr. Michaels and I exceed Ms. Clayfish. So in my mind, I was like the better choice if you really look at candidate quality. Now, if you look at Mm -hmm. popularity contests and favoritism factors, like I was Lieutenant Governor and I've been running for four years and you've garnered a lot of support because you've gone out and bought and paid for it. Or if you come in with millions of dollars and you can put your face on TV and radio uh, not your face on radio, but, you know, you can put your voice on radio and your face on TV and you can buy advertisement that gets you out and known to people because people are very indifferent. There's a high level of apathy around elections process. They'll vote for somebody because they saw their sign on the driveway or they'll vote for someone because they saw a, a commercial on TV. Oh, that Tim Michaels, a, Michael's company. Oh, I'll vote for him. I mean, it's very superficial. They don't do any analysis or any digging into it. So back to my point, I think the biggest concern that Mr. Michaels has that could be a problem for the party and perhaps his eligibility to stay on the ballot is his residency. I believe the <laughs> Democrats are, going to, are they're going to challenge his residency and not being um, in Wisconsin. I don't know how it's going to fly, but uh, he, you know, he spent most of his life the last 13, 14 years in Connecticut. And so residency factors are a concern for him. And he may not be on the ballot in November. And if he isn't, I'm there to back up the party with my write-in candidacy. If he yeah. is, well, then, then then it'll play out the way it naturally will. People will vote for him because he's the one on the ballot. Maybe I'll get some write-ins. Maybe I won't. But I don't believe what I ever get, if he stays on the ballot, will affect the outcome. So yeah. that's how I feel about that.
0: Well, and, and another interesting, you know, with the lieutenant governor, uh, with going back to the lieutenant governor thing, you know, tell you the truth, I thought uh, Robin make uh, Patrick Tussin the good old boy club, having him join the good old boy club by giving him $5,000 at the beginning of the year so he can keep all of his committees in, uh, so he can go out to lunch with Robin Voss. I really thought that Patrick Tussin was going to be the poster boy of Robin Voss. You know, I mean... Something about patrick tessin that rubs me the wrong way just when i met with when i keep him keep on meeting with him there's something that rubs me the wrong way where he does he's a of the people and i honestly think that he's a democrat but he puts an R in front of his name what do you think
1: well i'm i'm intrigued by your statements about the individual i i'd rather not go there i, I don't think that's Um, there's any merit in that at this point in time, Uh, I think initially there was the feeling that perhaps he was the one that was going to maybe get the nomination. I know at the GOP state convention on May 21st, which is a Saturday, the party didn't, um, he came in first, but they didn't endorse the position because ultimately when it came down to first ballot votes for endorsement, second ballot votes for endorsement, the the non-endorsement vote got the most. You had to have 60% or more to get the endorsement. And Patrick did really well. And he came in first of the nine at the time. There were nine total candidates at the time, but nobody got 60% or better. So, but Patrick wasn't first. So for a while there, I I agree with you. I think he was in a position to maybe be the one, but uh, I did hear that Robin was willing to spend 5 million to get Roger Roth over the line. So, Sure. The whole thing's rather confusing. I mean, the same same thing with my race. You know, Robin Voss uh, um, endorsed Rebecca Clayfish. And yet I heard Robin was involved in making sure Tim Michaels got entered into the race, too, to help me protect, rather, to take away from me the opportunity to get the Trump endorsement. Yeah. Because that was something that was very much communicated. And so they, I think they brought Michaels into take the endorsement away because they used the businessman approach and most importantly, the millions of dollars, the $12 million that Michael spent on his race out of his own pocket, saved the party $12 million, which I don't think they had. So they needed somebody with bench strength that had the money. So I lost the endorsement because of, of uh, semantics because of um, money. And it wasn't about, it wasn't about candidate quality. It was about money and convenience to the party. So Maybe the same thing comes into play with the lieutenant governor. I, I don't know. But I, I don't have any uh, ill will against any of the candidates for LT as well. They were all good people. And quite frankly, if it weren't for the establishment, you know, label, uh, they're all pretty decent people. And I think they'll certainly do a lot better job serving in those roles than what we have now with yeah. our Democrats, with Mandela Barnes and with Tony Evers. You know, those those two people have caused a tremendous amount of grief for our state and and problems for our people. And they have not earned the right to continue on in any capacity. And that includes Barnes for U.S. Senate. You know, he talks talks to talk, but I'll tell you, um, we we need strength in that position as well at the federal level with our Senate so that we can control the craziness coming out of D.C. for the next two years while we work on replacing Biden. But um, Mandela Barnes does not have the quality or the characteristics to do anything positive for the state it's all for him and for the party and he will take us backwards just like he did at the state level as lieutenant governor
0: yeah and with speaking of the evers administration um so i heard now i heard but is it true that he is in charge of the 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 education department and that he told the education department to lower your test scores during the COVID stuff. So he's trying to inflate the numbers and saying, hey, we got one of the best education systems while you go to these public schools and they can't control their own kids. They don't even know like scores are just going down the tank. But then he's talking with the, um, the education department them to lower the test score so they can grade higher to like make him look good but at the same time you go to the schools and you see the opposite is that true or is that like a rumor
1: no <laughs> i'm a seated school board member too for the kiosk school district i've been doing it for i'm into my 10th year now and i can tell you without question tony evers was head of the department of public instruction for 18 years in the state of wisconsin and it's a failing agency and it's a failing organization and the results are very clear at our education level we do not have Uh, a very good education system at at our 4K through 12 here in the state, and he's the reason for it. Now, as governor, an additional four years, he's influenced and been over the DPI as well, having come from that agency. So for 22 years, he's been affecting the outcome of efficiencies or lack of them in the DPI, and our education system's in a really, really bad place. Um, So what you heard is essentially true. He has minimally influenced uh, the department as he's been governor as well because he came from that group. They call him the education governor, all evidence to the contrary. In fact, uh, being a member of the education committee in the state assembly, I can tell you a lot of the bills we wanted to get passed to help enhance education and create efficiencies and accountability and, and reporting. He vetoed those bills. Yeah. So in, in, in many cases, we're trying to do the right thing for the state, and he's been an obstructionist. So I've got obstructionists in my own party with Robin Boss regarding election integrity, and as a state, we've had a have had an obstructionist at the governor's seat uh, with a lot of the bills. 127 of them, by the way, he vetoed this current session, which is a record for the state. Uh, the current governor has vetoed more bills than any governor in history prior, and a lot of them were were good bills. And so. Yeah there is, there is some logic to the fact that we've got to get eve results so that we can get good legislation processed through for the people of the state. That's true. Uh, And that's another reason I ran as well, because not all the bills that got vetoed, I would, I would sign either. They would have to come back a little bit different with language enhancements and and better assurance for the, for the people return on investment for tax dollars spent as well as efficiency. So I would not be a rubber stamp for just approving everything he vetoed when they bring them back next session. But that's what they plan on doing. I won't be there uh, as an assembly rep or member of the legislature to do that, but that's what they plan on doing. So we'll see once which, which ones pass. Yeah,
0: okay, are there yet? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Sorry about that. Uh but uh yeah, because I know I think I saw you in the Rules of Education Committee when I spoke in February of this year, because if we were talking about uh resolution eight eighty four and regarding the education system of teaching the constitution in our uh in the college system and so i think i spoke in front of it uh, i got bullied by diane hasselbein told me to go back to my country and it was as- absolutely humiliating uh, i didn't Oh, yeah yeah well and it was interesting because she was t- and it was interesting because right when right when you testify well i didn't have any when you look at the you look at the assembly and stuff all, and you bring in, like, different kinds of guests and stuff. All they try to do is that they try to say, oh, you're a Republican, so we're going to tear you. But you can't bet that well. For instance, um, she asked one of the guys that one of the attorneys for uh, that represented the 18 students that were legally and liably charged from the UW-Madison. She asked them. He's like she asked him this question. Where did you get? How did you guys get here? And he's like, I flew. OK, she's like, well, who paid for your flight? And I'm like, how does that correlate with the topic on hand? And see, and that's the whole thing is that they don't know what to talk about. They go attack your character, and they attack where you get your money from. Well, last time I checked, I don't – we work. The American people work, and we pay taxes. That's why we can't so we can go in front of the Capitol and testify in front of you. It's the most logical sense. Um, I, I don't know. I think – and I noticed that where, you know, behind closed doors, they are very different people. You know, and when they're out in the public, they're all, like, happy-go-lucky. It's just – it's very interesting. I just find that. What do you think about that kind of a... Have you noticed that inside working with, alongside with you or no? Like with people working alongside that you're surprised? Well,
1: now you're getting into the science of, of governance. I think my answer is simply going to be a lot of things aren't what they appear to be. A lot of things are used for optics Yes. to, to deflect away, send messages... Take credit, it's optics. And optics to me are superficial at best. In fact, not even superficial at times, they're purely for the psychological effect and and to mislead and misdirect. I'm all about results and getting things done. So and I've never changed in my position. I'm the same way all the time. I'm very static in my my convictions and my approach. I don't blow smoke. I, I tell it like it is. I'm a I'm a seeker of truth. So when you talk about hearing one thing and seeing another. Uh, that's part of the game element which tells me that that person probably needs to go because yeah. they're not right for the role they're not right for the role because they're doing it for all the wrong reasons they're doing it for themselves and that takes me to my point the legislative body in the state of Wisconsin right now does not serve the people no it serves itself it serves itself and and, and some members within right
0: yeah, and it's and it's very it's just so disappointing to see and especially when you like work and you sit in a couple of committees and stuff uh, you look at well, one other committees is the election integrity committee, and I think I was there, and uh, I was there, and I was able to speak with you and stuff. Um, it was talking about that true vote. Okay, what is your thought on the true vote people? Because they're out of California. This is from twenty twenty They're out of California, but then I heard that I went, I went down digging a little bit deeper. They're somehow connected to the Hillary Clinton people. And so, I don't know. What's your thought? And those when they came to testify for the committee, what? What do, do you, you think?
1: Well, they did some fantastic work with regards to 2,000 mules. They did uncover that whole element, which is um, factual. Um, they had a, an event. Was it Wednesday last week? Wednesday. I forget what day it was—a um, presentation on the pit—and I started listening to it. But it, it it takes so long to get to the point, mm-hmm. and I don't care for the I don't care for the theater of it. I don't care for all of the backstory and reporting. What matters is what's the bombshell? What's the smoking gun? What's the factual item that qualifies why I should be concerned about my elections? I didn't hear it, so I couldn't watch the whole thing. Now, I have been approached at. People said we should watch it there is some good stuff in there um, I'm trying to get to your question with an answer I, I, it, this is taking way too long I know there's problems at least that I have in in the state of Wisconsin with obstruction that's true but if you're on to factual information and you've got details get it out there yeah and, and yep. help help this help the the story evolve and help the story you know be true and and be shared don't hold back and well, we got something, but we can't tell you now. Well, we'll tell you later. And then later comes along and you don't really hear what you were set to expect. That gets kind of deflating and it takes people's hope away because all it turns out to be is rhetoric. And why are why are these people doing this? Are they making money at this? Is this all about making money? So you start to generate questions of concern
0: mm-hmm. when
1: you don't get to the point. Yeah. And that's that's why I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time watching through the vote. I think Catherine and and um, um, Greg are are doing great work, and uh, I want to see them continue. But let's let's accelerate the messaging, ladies and gentlemen, and get to the point so we can realize if what you have to tell us is uh, worthy of, of, of merit or not. Instead of this theater, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, so that's that's my scenic answer to your question, Not to get theatrical, but
0: <laughs> well, no, you're good. Well, because even I noticed, and I'm like, okay, can they just get to the point? And it's frustrating because when you had a couple of the Democratic uh, assembly men and women that asked, "Hey, do you know where the vote is, and do you know do you have the actual evidence? Well, and the whole thing is that you can't say, well, this individual, you know, they told us and stuff, and then they threw their ballots away. Well, you can't have that. I mean, I definitely can tell you not everybody throws their ballot away, but that's another factor is that if you're going to tell them like after the fact, I mean, for instance, multiple absentee ballots, like six or seven of them, I would want to keep all, all seven of them. And I want to report it to either my county and say, hey, you guys made," it. and then I still want to keep it. So when some, this big thing arises, like 2020 did, I want to say, hey, I was I'm one of the individuals that got over seven bouts here, here you, you go, go. you now, know or right, these drop box. boxes you take a photo of it and then you submit it right away see instead of like well hearsay and like you know she said what she said it's like that whole train and that phone call and by the time you get to the point you lost that individual and that individual is like long gone and like you said it's a big theatrical and I'm like okay after I lost, after I spoke with you I said okay I don't think I understood a single thing what they said. They just talked around one big circle, and they pretty much made Gableman look pretty bad, um, the Democrats said, and they pigeonholed him. And so did Janelle Branchin. She did the same thing, who I think she should be gone, but that's just me. I think she should be off the election committee. But what is your thoughts? Because I know you were there. What was your reaction of her asking those questions? Remind me, who, who answering what questions? Uh, Janelle Branchon giving the questions to the true vote people
1: from the May 24th meeting or March 24th meeting?
0: March 24th of this year, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that was a very peculiar event because at the very end, um, attorney by the name of James Bob got up and I think there was a plan to have Representative Tussler ask a question about the certification, which had nothing to do with the presentation that day, it had nothing to do with the agenda and in fact, I didn't see uh, Attorney James Bob's name on the agenda as a presenter. He wasn't there representing through the vote, although historically he had represented them. So I didn't know why he was there other than perhaps a plant by Robin Voss so that uh, another minion of Robin Voss attorney, uh, excuse me, Representative Ron Tussler would ask the question to fuel the fire of contention around uh, Bob coming out to say, no, you can't decertify uh, I think that's what it was all for. It was an optic. It was a way to minimize and dis- dismiss the messaging that the committee was trying to do. So I think Janelle got a little ambushed there. I don't know how she allowed for that guy to be allowed to speak, but it happened. Um, I thought there was going to be more to come out of that meeting at that time. So I don't remember the event positively. I remember it very negatively because yes. of the way it ended. And that's my answer to your question.
0: Yeah, I would say- afterwards um we're gonna kind of conclude at the 40 marks so we're gonna get some extra time just kind of talk about you know uh a little bit of your background i so you go to a church right
1: lutheran church yes
0: okay so what is your like um like just tell your uh watered down testimony like what brought you to christ just like your watered down like in 30 30 second testimony
1: Well, I've always been faithful to the Lord. I think my born again day was August 14th of 2018 because long story short, the Lord told me to run again for the assembly. And I did and told him I'd do it for him. And I would praise him every chance I got once I won. And he made sure I won. And so it was kind of like fulfillment of a promise. And I've always known the Lord to mm-hmm. be real, but that day was paramount for me. Um, I I wouldn't be where I am in anything in life if it weren't for the help of the Lord. So, yeah. Um, and I believe Jesus died for my sins and I'm saved. And it's my duty to do everything I can of by and for the Lord and the people 1.5 while I'm here. Yeah. I'm dutifully obligated to serve. So that's, a, that's my answer to your question. I've, I've been, but I, I got to tell you this when I was 13, 14 years old being Lutheran um, baptized and raised, uh, you know, you got your catechism element, Sunday school church. I mean, I was very involved at that age um, and the pastor came to me when I was 13, 14 years old and said, uh, you know, you're very studious in class. You ask a lot of great questions. It's obvious you, you're, you're into, you know, the Bible and you believe in the Lord. You, I'd like you to consider being a pastor.
0: Oh, that's and cool.
1: I, well, I remember it like it was yesterday. And it was a while ago, like 50 yeah. plus years ago, right? And um, I remember what I said to him. I instantly felt fear and apprehension in my stomach, butterflies. And I'm like, oh, I I, I can't do that. I don't see myself getting up in front of people and speaking. The sermon part scared me. Yeah terrified me. And now look at me. I'm, I'm out preaching and speaking and I, I go to debates with other governor candidates and I win them. Yes. I win those debates, by the way, I was in four of them and I'm four and all. Oh. Yes. And, you know, I guess it didn't matter though. Cause I only got 41,000 votes, but anyway, um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I get up in front and when I, if you've ever heard me publicly speak before, Uh, the first thing I try to say pretty much all the time is praise God from whom all blessings flow.
0: Amen to that. I do
1: that that because I'm reminding the Lord, not that he needs any reminders, but I'm saying I'm here. I'm here for you. I want to bring you in the room. I want people to know where I'm coming from and where my heart's at. And so I praise the Lord before I begin to speak. And then when I start to speak, many times, if not all the time, I don't remember everything I said because it's usually not me talking. So you talk about, you know, my faith in the Lord and, and my spiritual values. He's got a hold of me big time. And I'm fine with that because I'm his servant anyway. So, yes, and I work for him. So if he wants to use me as his vessel for anything and all things, physical or, or verbal or, or whatever, bring it on. I'm ready for it. So I've offered myself to the Lord. And as such, I give myself to the people and I want to be up mind for them too. So anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad I, when I walk on tough days, when I walk and there's footprints in the stand, in the sand, they're not my steps either. No. So I'm good with it.
0: So with this in mind, do you mind if we close in prayer? Um, Absolutely. I would require yeah. that we
1: close in prayer. You can't talk about the Lord and not thank him for being here on this call. So let's, let's pray for the Lord. Yes.
0: Let's go for it.
1: Oh, I, and you're going to pray. Yeah. I'm going to give you the, Okay. no I I'll, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you lead I spoke enough on this podcast you you go ahead and run the point uh, okay
0: all right um, give father. thank you Lord for bringing us up. together we thank you for allowing representative Timothy Ramson to be on this podcast <laughs> a him to... uh, about wide variety of stuff about we just pray for it uh, his family, so uh, that you may protect his family God. and God his family. And we just pray that you can uh, uh, you have a path for him, Lord, and help him to like, remember that you, are, you, you love, love him and that, that he is, is cherished and that he's a child of, of yours, oh Lord. We are, are sometimes we sometimes get confused, get confused with everything that's going on through the optics that we see and we kind of get distracted, But help us to remember that you know, help us not to focus on that. Help us to focus on you, oh Lord, and spreading your word to the people. Help us to focus on Uh, making a positive impact on the community, just like you you did when you were on Earth. And help us to be, uh, hold others accountable like you tell us to be accountable, and that you tell us to hold us accountable. Now, give us the strength and the energy to hold other people accountable around us. And yes, that includes our political leaders and our politicians um lord so i pray after that timothy rampton can hold, hold other people accountable as well give him the strength and give him the right words and uh, uh get him the protection too we just pray for his wife and that you can protect his wife and, and just whatever is going on in her life that you can just heal her of anything that's going on and um and that she, she is a servant unto you O oh lord and help her to impact other women's lives and other uh, hearts and we just pray that um As we continue this day, O Lord, you give us the strength and the energy to continue before us so that when we cross the finish line, O Lord, we can run into your arms. Well Well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 mind, mind. Thank you. Absolutely. With this in mind, I would like to say thank thank you you to Representative Timothy Rampton. And I will meet at the finish line and i would and i am uh if you wouldn't mind inviting me to do another future episode with me because this is an awesome thing that we did uh would you be open to a future episode
1: yeah absolutely we've got to get clarity on what happened on august 9th and we've got to communicate this out to the people there definitely were more than just irregularities and illegalities uh yes laws were, were broken and things were done we got to so, we got to get the truth exposed.
0: Uh, yeah. Yes, so, so I, I'm so I'm going to I'm going to allow you to be on my podcast to talk about sometime in September, September or even, even. Uh, yeah sometime in September where we can figure out what happened on August 9th. So if you guys um, are joining this podcast, this is remember God loves you and I'll meet at the finish line. And you're going to see a support button on the bottom of the podcast. Any contribution and don- uh, you make goes against fire. trafficking, like somebody uh, one of my guests, Claire. So if you- one cent that you donate to uh, helps uh, combat human slavery, slavery. so you, you guys, guys are welcome don- to donate. Any amount is appreciated.